what is Cafe Mocha? Cafe Mocha is experts, celebrities. What's up? This is Belle Bib DeVoe. This is Julie Idris Elba. This is Fantasia. This is Invo. This is India Ari. So much more. All from a woman's perspective. What flavor are you, baby? This is Cafe Mocha. Cafe Mocha Radio from a woman's perspective with Lonnie Love, Yo-Yo, and me, Angelique. Yo-Yo's got a secret. She's got the tea on Jada and Tupac. And what exactly was her relationship with Tupac? We're about to find out. Plus, we've got gospel artist Donald Lawrence. Okay, ladies, we got to talk about Jada Pickett Smith. Uh oh. She has a book Uh-oh. out called Worthy, and she has been making around. Okay, first of all, I want to explain to everybody whenever you make, do a book, Mm-hmm. It's you do a book tour, you do, and Jada has been doing that. Jada has been making the rounds. She's been doing um, podcasts, interviews, and she's giving us bits and pieces of mm-hmm. the book, and it's been blowing social media away. One of the yeah. things that she said that really blew a lot of people's minds was that she was talking to Hoda copy on a today show. And she said, well, you know, Will and I have been living separate lives for seven years. And everybody was like, wait, what? With the slap with the, and she's been trending ever since. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Oh, uh, you know what? I was listening to it in the beginning. I wasn't really paying attention to it. And then I started seeing it everywhere. And then I started paying attention to it. But you know what I realized was at the age we are, how long we've been in this industry. And and I feel like Jada's on a spiritual journey. And in order to get what you need, you have to live within your truth. Live within your truth means that you have to expose yourself. A part of that exposure means that you have to talk real shit excuse me, to people. And people don't want to hear your truth. You have to apologize to people. You have to wrong your rights and right your wrongs. And there's a lot of stuff that has to go on when you're trying to move past what you've been through. Is it excessive? I think, you know, because, you know, but I think Will is okay with it. I think she's probably sat down with her husband, had this conversation before she stepped forward, um, you know, and I'm hoping. <laughs> Angelique. <laughs> I think it's a part of her journey to clean the air and get rid of all of her past so that she can move forward and sell a book, of course. Part of living truth means telling the truth. The likelihood of me believing anything that comes out of Jada Pinkett's mouth from this point forward is zero. What? I mean, Will Smith went through this whole thing with this slap and my wife and protecting my wife and all this stuff. You ain't even living with her. They no, weren't living no together. No, together. no, they live separate lives. What's that mean? They live separate lives. He's doing all this protection for a relationship that is troubled. Maybe she's saving the relationship. Well, first of all, I'm going to say a couple of things. Hang on. And Uh she's she's making Will Smith look like a fool in the process. I mean, that... The entanglement? The entanglement, yes. At that point right there, she should have said, yo, we ain't, we're separated. We love each other. Maybe one day we'll, at that point right there, but she let Will look like a fool. And now Will is looking like a fool again for the defending the honor. But sometimes mothers have this kind of wanting to take care of the house, not wanting to let everybody in their business. They do it for the, the mother's the strong one. They want to protect the family. They don't want to let them in. Even though they're, even when they're effing up, 
Yes. Have you have you heard of a thing called Red Table Talk where yes. she tells all her business? Yes. She tells all her business. Wow. And you got the kids over here lying to keep the secret about the fan. I'm sorry. Zero chance of me believing anything that comes out of her mouth. Go ahead, Lonnie. Okay. First of all, I think that the blogs had a lot to do with all of this because they kept putting out headline after headline. This is from a book on um, Red Table Talk. Uh, she said, both her and Will Smith said that they uh, were separated since 2016. I do um, remember they said that. that. That they were separated. So they, they, but this is, first of all, y'all try to act like mar- a lot of marriages aren't like right. it. Like yeah, there's so many a lot people of who marriages- still in love is sleeping on the couch. And they and they just so it's one of those unconventional marriages. And she and if you notice, even when the thing happened with the entanglement, Angie, the um the thing that they both said was we together, ride or die, bad marriage or all. Right. That's what they said. I just and that's think an understanding. That, women understand so much more than men sometimes. And then when a woman but, gets ready to talk, it's just like nobody. But yo, yo, it's you rappers. It's you rappers, it's your fault. J. Cole. You know, how about that Will and Jada love? You know, uh, what's her name? Um, uh, Alicia Keys. But no, yeah, yeah because women love. are silent. Nobody's talking about how they love and will. The, the whole point is, this is an unconventional marriage, but they're yeah. uh, they're still together. It's just yeah. not what we want it to be. It's not what we think marriage is supposed to be. Marriage is supposed to be everybody sleeping same bed every night for fifty years, and they say. We ain't seen each other in about six years. Right. <laughs> and, and, my, and my mother said you need a spare man, a a, a half man, a oh, made man, a, a come by every now and then, man. Oh. oh. My mother said you got to keep a spare in the tire. I said, what does that mean? She said, you know, a spare, if you, if you have to get a flat, you got a spare in the tire. She said, you never want to be caught on a road without a spare. It's one thing for sure. They not divorcing. They let y'all know that much. They not divorcing. We got to put up with them. They could leave us out the group chat. <laughs> that's a relationship we all want to have where a person understands you unconditionally. Nobody from the outside can judge you. And you are able to live within your truth and speak it out loud and be able to elevate from that point. So Angelique just want that real will and Jada love. That's what she that's why she upset. Look, I'm not gonna talk about that relationship at all. I've said what I had to say. <laughs> But I went to North Carolina School of the Arts with Jada, so I know uh, I know pre Will Smith. Is it is it pre Tupac too? <laughs> this is post Tupac. Yeah, well, Jada talked about Tupac coming to her, asking him to marry her when he was in prison. That's when the show, and this is breaking news, Jada came to my house that night. It was the premiere of New York Undercover. It was that day. Jada and all of them were at my house. We had a party at my house for the premiere. Park called. We both spoke to Park that day on the phone. Jada pulled me into my daughter's room. Tiffany was just a newborn. We spoke about it. She told me, you know, the situation. You know, I said, I understand. I knew he always loved her. Of course, I just had my daughter, Tiffany. People think that Tiffany's just Park started. It's not, you know, so, but Park wanted me to know. Just You ain't never had sex with Park? Oh my Girl, God. Did I? What? Are you kidding me? Did I? What? That's what did you think song. I loved? His smile? I loved his rap and his love. <laughs> I'm on a romantic call. You know, and she and I were friends before I even knew she dealt with Pop. 
Um, I said, well, you know, I always loved you. You know, we've been friends. We played spades together. I beat her ass in spades many a time. So she's beat my ass. Who, who knows? But um, we, we've had relationships, you know? Mm. So I was like, oh, it was cool. We left it alone. Interesting. I know, Interesting. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Well, oh, yo-yo with the T-T-T. And that's why we talk, talk, talk. Got more Cafe Mocha. Stay tuned. It's Cafe Mocha, Angelique, Lonnie Love, and Yo-Yo on the line. She's going to be our new therapist, Chris Violet. Welcome to Cafe Mocha. Hey, hey, thank y'all so much. Honored to be here. Let me ask you just straight out the gate. Do you think the Black community is still afraid of therapy or are we growing out of that? You know, I'm glad you asked that. Honestly, I think it's a combination. Um, On the one hand, yes, you do have people talking about it so much more openly, right? Um, On the other hand, it takes about an average of 11 years for people to decide to get treatment. Uh, And so just as much as you hear people saying, oh, yeah, my therapist, like it's an everyday language now, there are other people that I've spent so much time around who have waited years uh, and really suffered in silence and had the things that were going on with them made far worse because they still felt that shame. They still felt like, you know, I can't earn my dirty laundry or, you know, if I go and actually talk to somebody, that means there's something real going on, right? Like, what if there's something that I have to change and I'm not ready to do that, right? And I think also, you know, for some of us, really it's an issue of therapy kind of still seems like an indulgence, right? Like we have lives to live, we have families to take care of, extended families to take care of, jobs to get you. It's kind of like, uh, that'd be great. But yeah, I don't necessarily have have time for all that, you know. A lot of people don't know where to go for therapy. Yeah. You want someone that is your shade, Mm -hmm. that is in your age demo. I mean, like, I don't Mm -hmm. want to be going to a 25-year-old white girl telling her about 50-something-year-old Black people problems. Therapy for Black girls. It's where I would send anybody. That's a directory that really, like, a lot of us are on. Um, the Boris L. Henson Foundation is another one, but they have really a vast amount of therapists to kind of go through. I think the problem for some people is access to care, what their insurance covers, and, and who they cover them seeing, right? And so you start off trying to talk to somebody, and you come up against folks that either don't look like you, you don't feel comfortable talking with them, they don't quite understand what you're saying, and then you kind of get discouraged. But I will say, too, it's also really important, just because I'm a black face sitting next to you doesn't mean I'm culturally competent, right? So there's a danger in you coming to me if I don't get it, if I also will judge you, or if I also will dismiss something you're saying, or if I also will make generalizations, right? Like, and I'm the black face, that's more damaging than anything else. Because I'm there to kind of affirm and validate and like folks that feel like they haven't been seen, you know, like I'm here, right? But so you, if you can't just have a black therapist, you got to have a black therapist who's really culturally competent. Cafe Mocha, Angelique, Lonnie, Love, Yo-Yo. I thought we would uh, take some letters from listeners, if you don't mind. I'm rolling with y'all. Okay. <laughs> So here's one. My best friend is married to a man who gets angry. He's got a bad temper, embarrasses her, talks down to her in front of her kids and in front of company. They haven't slept in the same bed for years. She's being abused. And her best friend says she's so mad. I don't even want to be friends anymore. She won't leave him. And her real life is suffering. 
what should be done, stay out of it, call a family meeting, end the friendship. Who is that? Is that Will Smith? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not laughing. I mean, I am, but also, God, really. Um, (laughs) What should be done? Should she end the friendship? Yeah. This is a really hard one that people have a lot of difficulty around because you can't stand kind of seeing your friend repeatedly suffer and what it feels like is almost like willingly putting themselves in a position, right, to continue to be demeaned, especially uh, when the kids can see this. But the problem is, is that um, emotional abuse, especially because it's so hard to kind of, uh, you know, physical abuse, you're like, look at that black eye, right? But emotional abuse is kind of like, wait a minute, I don't know what's happening. Like, how is this kind of controlling you in this way? Like, how have you been so manipulated to like sit in this? But it's an average of seven times where someone being uh, emotionally or physically or sexually abused, it takes seven times before they'll actually leave that situation. That means they can get up, have a safety plan, you know what I mean, get their kids, run to their mama, whatever, right, and then turn right back around and end up in the same spot. And so if you're someone who loves the victim, like, you're like, girl, the stove is hot. Stop putting your hand on it. Like, what the hell, right? Yeah. But... I think what you can do is kind of like you shift your boundaries, meaning you're there for them, but in a different way. If you remove all support and end the friendship, it's almost like you're punishing them for being a victim. That's not what's happening. It's just too hard for you to watch them suffer. You know what I mean? But there's enough shame there and enough pain there. And the person at that point, they're saying, because they almost kind of feel like, a stranger to themselves, right? Like they can't access their whole selves the way they used to because if they could, they wouldn't be in a relationship, right? All that emotional abuse and the beat downs come so that the person is no longer fully themselves to make the decision to bounce. You know what I mean? So I would say shift your boundary, take this when you need to, but I think it's really important for the victim to know, look, I love you. I can't stand seeing you in this. Like, I'm here, but I can't be here in the same way. And then maybe provide some other resources knowing they may or they might may not use them. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's Cafe Mocha, Angelique, Lonnie Love, and Yo-Yo. We're taking questions with Chris Violet. She's a therapist. Let's see our next question. I met this guy two years ago on a dating app that requires you to take a personality test and then pairs you with people that fit your personality. Sounds like eHarmony oh. to me. I got matched with this great guy. We dated for two years, thought things were going good. Then he got another woman pregnant. He claims he still wants to be with me. I'm heartbroken. What should I do? Is that blue face? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to figure out how to answer this question tactfully because... This is Cafe Mocha. You don't need tag. Just don't cuss. (laughs) Okay, right on. Look. I'm a firm believer love isn't blind, right? Like, it's just you see what you want to see when you're ready to see it. And when you're ready to do something about it, or you sacrifice yourself in the meantime for what it is you think you want instead. So it was going great. I'm not saying she didn't feel like it was going great, but I'm saying something was missed if another chick came up pregnant. You know what I mean? Something was either lacking in communication or the way the person showed up or whether or not they were available enough or how committed they were or maybe you could never spend the night. You know what I mean? But they could always come to your house. There are usually some signs that we kind of aren't really wanting to pick up on because the other things do feel great, right? Like maybe this cat came along, she's on a dating site, been lonely for some time. 
and hear these wonderful things. So it's like, I'm not going to pay attention to this stuff that's happening in my gut telling me this might not be, you know, the thing. You know what I mean? I can't tell you what to do. That's not what a therapist does. But I can say I think you really have to look at, you know, what are the pros and cons? Can you have a trust in this relationship if that could happen? And his answer is kind of like, I still want to be with you. Um, And what is it that you're really getting from this relationship? Is it enhancing? Does it feel mutual? Or are you left feeling really drained, always wondering, like just trying to cling to something? You know, like the bar is pretty low. So that would be my take. It's Cafe Mocha, Angelique, Lonnie, Love, Yo-Yo. We're taking questions with Chris Violet, who's a therapist. Sorry for my bluntness, Anonymous. Sorry for my bluntness. It's okay. (laughs) No, it's okay. My best friend is a doctor. She messed around and reconnected with an old flame who has a questionable past, one that involves a serious addiction to drugs. He may have treated her well back in college, but I'm worried he may get back on drugs and wreck her life. They're talking about getting married. What should I do? This one feels a little tricky, though, y'all, because um, just because somebody did something back in college, I don't know how long ago college was. You know what I mean? But the first thought is a person can shift and change. So my question is kind of like, what is this friend seeing that's leading them to believe uh, that this person is at risk of falling back into this addiction? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they did it before, they're going to do it again. Well, I don't know that because, you know, the whole point of kind of like therapy and all these other things, right, is knowing that we have the capacity to evolve, to change, to shift the way we've been kind of moving in this world. So, I mean, maybe that's not a real worry. But if this person sees some concrete stuff or the friend is saying things or not saying things, right, then, you know, I would have a conversation with the friend first. You know, look, this is what happened in the past. I know you're happy now. Like, let's just hash this out, you know, and then I'm going to leave you alone kind of thing. Okay. Cafe Mocha talking to therapist Chris Violet. We're going to do one last question. Um, And that is, my son is a bully. His dad says that, oh, boys will be boys. But I know that this kid is a bully and I'm not sure how to handle my husband. And I certainly don't know how to handle my kid when it comes to talking about bullying and respecting other people? My first thought is is that I wonder how old the kid is because at a certain age, like, kids are really just kind of repeating what they see or what they're exposed to, Um, or uh, they're exposed to things that they really kind of don't know how to handle and shouldn't have to cope with, and then that will express itself as bullying. Um you know, or frustration or anger about something else that's not within their control. So my first thought is kind of like, how old is the kid? My second thought is kind of like, uh, what's going on in their environment, in the house? What's the relationship between mom and dad? It feels like mom is not necessarily sure that she can communicate in a way that the dad will actually kind of take in or won't be dismissive around because he's clearly kind of minimizing all of this. Um, And then my third thought would kind of be maybe it'd be cool to involve uh, someone else, like uh, a big brother or some kind of like mentor, or there's something that um, is being longed for or looked for or sought out, even if it's just that this kid needs to have another way to express their, their anger or frustration or perhaps even loneliness, right, outside of bullying. Gotcha. So there's this kind of like we just need, we need more info. (laughs) Chris Violet is a therapist 
in Los Angeles. How do people reach you if they need some help? My website is spaceforhealingtherapy.com. My Instagram is at Chris Violet, C-H-R-Y-S-V-I-O-L-E-T. And yeah, I'm around. Super. Around thank you need me. Super. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, y'all. We'll talk to you again sometime, okay? All right. Thanks, y'all. And Lonnie Love, I just want to especially shout you out, Star Raw. Thank you. You're great. <laughs> yeah, right on. All right, you guys take care. Thanks so much again. Take Thank care. You. Bye-bye. At Cafe Mocha is how you follow us. Here's your dose of espresso. Strong, hot news now. This is The Espresso. I'm Angelique. The Tupac murder case is going on right now. And the defense team feels like there is no case. I'm not yet hired to review the grand jury transcripts or to prepare a motion if one is needed. But obviously the things that jump out is that there's no gun, there's no car, and there's no witnesses from 27 years ago. Good news for Morehouse men. 3,000 students will have their college debt wiped clean. A gift that will wipe out debt for 2,800 former students, which includes balances, a $20 to $50 in unpaid parking tickets, library fees, and even unpaid tuition totaling up to $30,000. And comedian Mike Epps is buying his whole block and renovating it on HGTV. You heard it right. I bought my whole childhood block back. Six homes that we actually got evicted from. Buying Back the Block airs on HGTV November 8th, 9th, and 10th. That's The Espresso. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a Black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Ed- is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective.
It's Cafe Mocha. It's Cafe Mocha. Angelique Lonnie Love on the line. Renee Foster, she's director of communications for the Universal Hip Hop Museum in the Bronx. Renee, first of all, congratulations on the museum. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. We have been working so hard, particularly in this anniversary year for the 50th to really, really evangelize about how important preserving this culture is for the future, for everyone that loves it worldwide. Well, you know, hip-hop is everywhere, and it's influenced not only music, but American culture. And there are exhibits in the Smithsonian dedicated to hip-hop, but why was it important to do a museum expressly for hip-hop? Well, it was born in the Bronx. It was born in the Bronx. It was created by Black and brown kids that were marginalized, and, you know, um, there wasn't really access to arts education in the schools at that time here in New York City. And as we do with our creativity, we find ways to make something from nothing. And this is really the inspiration for hip hop. You know, when you didn't have music lessons in classrooms and instruments, they used turntables. You know, what's really fascinating about it is that in this 50th year where it is completely legitimized, like you said, in museums and libraries and in academia, no one thought it would last. No one believed that it was a real art form. And that, to me, is the most striking thing about this celebration this year. Because like you said, hip-hop is everywhere, and it has influenced everything. Those five elements have informed every aspect of life as we know it. It's been used to market everything to us everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to talk about the 50th part, because so many people are saying we're calling it the 50th anniversary, but... I mean, some people argue that it was around long before 50 years. Any thoughts on that? Well, you know, um, I I love those discussions because those discussions come from people that are stakeholders in this culture when it was in its genesis. And I believe we should have those discussions because with everybody being a stakeholder, you get to say when and where you entered. Conversation to have, because as you take ownership of this culture, you remind people that I was there. And so I love those discussions. I Listen, mm-hmm. I'm not as old as some of these people that say they were there first, but I love their voices. I love the fact that they want to be re- represented and they want the, you know, the timeline to reflect when and where they entered. And that is important. Can we talk about what mixing has become? Because if you Google DJ now, we know what our image of a DJ is, but if you, if you Google picture images of a DJ, you're more than likely going to see a white guy with headphones on and not necessarily turntables in front of him. Um, can you talk about the a bit of the history of mixing? Well, the fact of the matter is uh, hip hop was very innovative in that it was an early adapter of technology. So when the turntables came into the mix and you can't, you know, dismiss the influence of mixtapes on cassette. So I look at the technology and its growth as a kind of natural outcropping of it. But in terms of the visuals that you see, well, you know, there's also DJ D-Night, you know, who showed the world what a DJ who came out of hip hop, a Bronx born DJ, 
you know, one of the original members of the Boogie Down Productions. So, you know, there's not a fixed idea of who a DJ is, but there's a bit of, shall we say, co-opting as a way to really describe. But I think the embrace of it and when you do see and let me be fair. And when you do see DJs of that ilk, they are more often uh, people that love hip hop, like Mark Ronson, who's worked with a lot of hip hop artists. And then it's, you know, those DJs that you see that do Ibiza, do Electronica and all those things. They're not necessarily hip hop, but they're inspired by hip hop. Definitely. It's Cafe Mocha on the line. Renee Foster, executive director of the Universal Hip Hop Museum in the Bronx, New York. Now, if you're not in the Bronx, there is a website that you can go to, um, uhhm.org. You can also give donations. There's a lot of um, events. If you're planning on going to the Bronx or New York, I highly recommend that you go to this museum. Renee, how hard was it putting this and getting this all together to, to have this museum? It was a real journey. And I have to say the buy-in of the community first helped us to define what the museum would look like. And I have to uh, make a minor correction. I'm the director of communications. Rocky Buchano is the executive director. And he's also honored by the Living Legends Foundation. Oh, right. But it, it, yeah, it, was, it was a challenge. You know, um, we had to convince a lot of people. We had to convince people it was viable, it was real, and that it was worthy of being, you know, formally recognized in a museum. And so... Um, we did. We jumped through a lot of hoops. We had to get the accounts, the the New York City Council's approval. We had to get the Unified Land Use Committee's approval, the Parks Department's approval. Here in New York, we had to get Housing Preservation and Development's approval. This was a very, very long, long process. And so, with that, I think. We kind of rose to the challenge to make people understand that the culture that we wanted to preserve and present to audiences worldwide really did have value. And I think the response of people coming from worldwide as well as locally was further evidence that we were really on to something. Definitely. Because how is the museum doing today? The museum is doing great today. Our current exhibition, which is in the Bronx Terminal Market, is only 3,000 square feet, but it is the golden era, 1986 to 1990. And it has memorabilia and artifacts from LL Cool J, Run DMC, Roxanne Chante, Sweet Tea, Bismarck Key, and Eric B. and Rakim. And so we've had amazing amounts of visitors from everywhere you can imagine, from all points in the globe. And for this month, we are opening it to the public for free. Free? Nice. So for free for the entire month of the 50th celebration. We, because, and I'll tell you why it's going to be free, the exhibition is going to go away, but we will be preparing for our traveling exhibition to land at the crossroads of the world this winter, fall winter, in Times Square. Nice. And that traveling exhibition is um, highly interactive. The latest innovations of the use of augmented reality, virtual reality, also, you know, all of the AI that you can imagine. We actually have the breakbeat narratives, which was a very early use of AI. So hip hop always evolved, you know, and not just its expression, but also 
in the way it engages technology. That's amazing. Well, you heard it here first, people. Free all this month, the <laughs> Universal Hip Hop Museum. We've been talking to Renee Foster. Um, the 50th anniversary of hip hop is going on right now. This is a great way to celebrate. Thank you so much, Renee, for stopping through Cafe Mocha and giving us all the deets. Thank you. And we're going to unveil our floor to ceiling windows. We'll have images of Missy Elliott, <gasps> Chuck D and Flavor Flav, the Beasties, and we are formally unveiling our lyric wall with the lyrics from Biggie's Juicy, It Was All a Dream, and Who Would Have Thought Hip Hop Would Take It That Far? Oh, that will be on our God. permanent, permanent edifice for the public to see. Oh, I cannot wait. Nice. Uh, Thank fantastic. you. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Miss Renee. Thank you so much. Have a great day, guys. You bye too. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. This is Cafe Mocha, Angelique, Lonnie Love, and Yo-Yo on the line. He's a gospel singer, gospel producer, uh, plays instruments, does a whole bunch of stuff. You done helped me many a nights. (laughs) (laughs) Donald Lawrence is on the line. His album is called Donald Lawrence Presents Power, a tribute to Twinkie Clark. Hey, Donald, how are you? Hey, what's up? How are you? We are doing great. Uh, You know what? First of all, congratulations, you know, on the Clark Sisters um, movie, which was awesome. How does it feel? Oh, thank you. How does it feel to create a project like that and just get the response and love, especially with those legends? You know what? It was really, um, it was really kind of, um, uh, it was incredible for me because I grew up being like a crazy Clark Sister fan. So honestly, I would have just liked to have met them. I had no idea I would ever work with them as close as I've worked with them. And I was such a fan that when it came to recreating, you know, their sound with the actors from it, it just kind of just flowed out. And and it was a couple of times when we, when we listened to playback and stuff like that, that even the Clark sisters said, did you get Twinkie to come in and do some overdubs and stuff? And I was like, nah, it's just, it's all the actors. Um, they They did it. So it was really, um, very rewarding. And, you know, I love the Clark Sisters and it was just great to be able to work on that project. And now you have an album, Donald Lawrence Presents Power, a tribute to Twinkie Clark. Oh, tell us about yeah. this album. You know what? It, it was a, it's an old album that she did in 1981 that I was obsessed with I, when I was in school studying. I used to just listen to it over and over and over. So when I did the Clark Sisters movie, I really had to recreate like vintage Clark sisters stuff. So it ga- that gave me the idea. I was like, you know what? As a tribute to Twinkie, I would love to recreate, like reimagine this old album, make it sound old and sound new at the same time as a tribute to her. So afterwards, I kind of pitched the idea to um, my dude, um, Phil Thornton, who was at RCA at the time, um, the idea. And he he was like, let's do it. So um, I went to work. It, it took a minute because it was about figuring out old Sonics as well as new Sonics and kind of making it feel... Old and new at the same time. One one of my friends said, "How is it that I'm listening to this? It sounds like vinyl, a cassette, an iPod, and a CD all at the same time." <laughs> so it was really about figuring out how to reimagine that old project and just do it as a tribute to her. So it, it was great. It was like art, and it was just fun to do. Cafe Mocha, Angelique, Lonnie, Love, and Yo Yo on the line. Gospel singer Donald Lawrence. The new project is called Donald Lawrence Presents Power. Oh my goodness. 
for so long. Your music is so encouraging. But this album, um, to Twinkie Clark, can you tell us? Because I'm from Detroit, so I, I'm okay. also excited about that too. So you know, I know the Clark sisters. But for yeah. those outside of the gospel community, who is Twinkie Clark? Twinkie Clark is she's not the oldest sister of it, but she's kind of like the um the creative of the Clark sisters. She wrote all the songs. She kind of created the style of the Clark sisters. I always say it's that the Clark sisters is Twinkie's voice in all different parts. It's Karen is Twinkie's voice as a soprano. Dorinda is Twinkie's, Twinkie's voice as an alto. Jackie's Twinkie's voice as an alto tenor. And there's Twinkie. So she's kind of the creative of that whole entire thing. She wrote all the songs for those of you who knew you brought the sunshine, just a lot of records that she did. And definitely in Detroit there, you know, um, I always said, I always said this, you know, there was, they used to have these musicals in Detroit back in the day. And it was pretty much like the gospel Apollo. Like you, if you ever, if you ever got through, got through there, then you was ready to go because it, the talent level was just incredible. And them Clark sisters would always come up at the end and just shut everybody down. So it was great. Um, I'm a big fan of Detroit music as well. And the Clark sisters definitely was a staple of that. We're talking to Donna Lawrence. More with him when we come back. This is Cafe Mocha. Cafe Mocha, Angelique, Lonnie Love, and Yo-Yo. On the line, gospel singer Donna Lawrence. The new project is called Donna Lawrence Presents Power. You've got a single with Yolanda Adams. Talk about working with her. Yeah, I've worked with Yolanda a couple of times. And when I um, decided to do this project, I asked her if she would sing this particular cut. And she originally said, Donald, it's too high for me. You know, I'm not no young one anymore. I was like, Yolanda, you could do this. So um, she wanted me to change the key, but I kind of talked her into doing it in the original key. And man, she just soared right through it like it was nothing. So yeah, she... She's um she's just a pro. She's just great. And man, we work together a couple of times and it's always a pleasure working with her. It's Cafe Mocha, Lonnie Love, Yo-Yo, Angelique. And on the line, the album is called Donald Lawrence Presents Power, a tribute to Twinkie Clark, having a wonderful conversation with American gospel music songwriter, record producer, and artist Donald Lawrence. Donald, where are you from? I'm originally from um, um from Charlotte, North Carolina, but I live in Chicago. I've been living in Chicago for like the last 20 years. I'm oh. originally from North Carolina. Yeah, me too. Greensboro. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm from I'm from Charlotte. I actually yeah. grew up in Gastonia, but was born in Charlotte. Okay, that's where my brother lives in Gastonia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have what, a lot what, of family there. What made you take the gospel route? Um, You know what? It was, it's, it's funny you asked me that because when I started off, you know, after I got out of college, um, I, I was a music director for Stephanie Mills for like about 10 years. And what? everyone thought that I was going to, yeah, I was her music director for 10 years. And every, and as I started being her music director, people would come to her shows, love her shows. And so all of the, all of the execs thought I would end up being um, like urban producer and, and writer, even though I have done some urban stuff before. Um, I always feel like music is just a place of where you lived. And I just grew up in church and it just felt more authentic for me to do that, even though I might've been able to do the other, you just know when somebody just has lived something has just been somewhere. So it just felt better for me to do, to do that. But definitely while I was out on the road with Stephanie um, for many years, everyone, all the execs always thought that I would be more of an urban producer than gospel producer. What's next for you, Donald Lawrence? Oh man, I, I'm looking forward to do, to getting back into to theater that that's kind of what my education was um so i really want to get get back into musical theater 
writing and creating and i hope to create like some some television as well that's kind of one of the other things that i want to graduate into all right donald lawrence the album is called donald lawrence presents power a tribute to twinkie clark thanks for so much for joining us on cafe mocha oh thank you for having me i'm, I'm a fan it was good to talk to you all and man thank you so much We'll keep listening. Thank you, Donald. Okay. Thank you. All right. Take it easy. If you missed any part of the show, just subscribe to the podcast by going to wherever you listen to podcasts and type in Cafe Mocha Radio. Coming soon to the show, Cedric the Entertainer has a new book. That's it for us. Follow us on all platforms at Cafe Mocha Radio. Cafe Mocha is a production of Miles Ahead Broadcasting in partnership with Super Radio. Executive producer Sheila Eldridge. For comments, booking, or more information, visit CafeMochaRadio.com. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Ed- is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective.